Welcome to A Better Way with Crossroads Bible Church, a podcast about finding the activity of God in our stories and discovering how Jesus is building His kingdom among us, right here, right now. The goal is to inspire you to see and celebrate God's activity in your own life, too. And now your host, Sherry Hutspeth. Thank you, Stephanie. Hello, everyone. I'm Sherry Hudspeth, and I'm sitting here with our senior pastor, Charlie Reidenauer. Welcome, Charlie. Hey, what's going on? <laughs> I'm so glad we are here together having this conversation. Thanks for being willing to do this. Me too. Right before we hit record and you started your timer, you told me that we're going to try and keep this under 30 minutes. What percentage of you when you said that thought that was a possibility? Charlie, it's good to have goals. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah, they, they guide us. <laughs> I'm just kind of a flexible guy when it comes to rules. You know, we try. But anyway, no, it's going to be here. I'm excited. Well, then I threw into the mix, and I'm going to actually ask you an extra question in yeah. addition to what, you know, we're asking everybody else. Yeah, so it's not my fault if we go over to yours. Mm, yeah, it's a team sport. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this is what I wanted to ask you about. What was it about this idea of having a podcast with CBC Stories that intrigued you? You know, I think I always remember um, the things that shape us as followers of Christ. And lately, maybe it's because it's a life stage thing for me, but it's funny when you get back together with people you love that you tell the same stories and you laugh at the same jokes and, and you remember the times you had together. And throughout the Bible... Really, one of the emphasis from God to his people in the Old Testament was, hey, you're going to do these things so that you intentionally remember these things that you easily forget. Mm -hmm. you know, a couple weeks ago in a sermon, we talked about the tassels on the end of the prayer shawls. Mm -hmm. And the point of that was to remember the law and then to remember that God delivered you from Egypt. Mm -hmm. Or the stones when they conquered the promised land was, hey, put these stones here. Mm -hmm. And so every time you walk by, tell this story to your kid. Because as Christians, so often it's really easy only to see what's in front of us. But the whole narrative of the gospel is saying that there's something unfolding that you can't see. And you need to remember it. Yeah. And I can't help but think in the early church, you know, before they had all the scriptures, mm -hmm. they just got together and they told stories of what Jesus was doing. Right. And so I love the intellectual ascent um, of the people of Christ. Mm -hmm. I love parsing out scriptures and having way too long sermons and spending a month in a chapter of the Bible. I love that. Mm -hmm. But if we don't intentionally remember that the Bible's there to show us the change that Jesus brings, mm -hmm. the change that he promises, mm -hmm. the change that is possible, um, then we'll easily forget it. And, and I think that's the stuff that, that doesn't just teach us, it changes us. Right. And so I think it's really important to remember to do that because we'll forget because mm -hmm. we always have it as a people. Right. Yeah. And I, I think the other thing that's really faith building about it is where the rubber meets the road. Yeah. It's where it's actually coming alive in our actual story that's being lived out right now. That's right. And we really need to hear that from each other. 100%. You know, I, I use the, <clears throat> the analogy quite a bit, but it's like reading about parenting and becoming a parent. Mm -hmm. um, one scares you and one changes you. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's God. Like, read the Old Testament. One scares you. <laughs> but when you tell the stories of the change that Jesus is bringing, one, one actually changes you. And so that's kind of what we want to do, just to never forget that. You know, as we're in different sermon series and different books of the Bible, and as we you know, put our heads down and, and trudge through some pretty great theology, we're never going to forget the purpose of that is this. That Jesus came and promised more and a better life, a better hope, but promised something different than what we see. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, let's go into the questions that we're going to ask everybody. Sure. Um, we have the first couple are giving us a look into the beginnings of your faith. And then this the next 
questions we'll talk about or more about what's going on right here right now yeah sure sure okay so first one how would you describe your spiritual heritage yeah i think um you know my religious background is it comes from a couple different sources so growing up i was methodist Mm -hmm. but my mom's family is predominantly irish and really irish catholic Um, and so you know there's a methodist church i went to but then there's still some influences from my mom's catholicism and and she switched when she married my dad and then I, I grew up going to church in the South, so it was pretty much Baptist, too. So you kind of had these three influences of kind of this Methodism and this Catholicism and this kind of Baptist thing going on, you know, Methodist. I, I don't know. You had this this weird kind of coming together of these traditions, which was really good. I, I remember I got to the Moody Bible Institute, and I didn't have much experience or exposure to different denominations. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't a youth group all-star or anything. And so when I got there, <clears throat> I told somebody... I think day two or three that I was a Methodist. And they looked at me and they said, are you sure you're saved? Oh. And I was like, I don't even know what that means, but you're laughing. Or maybe you're not. I, I don't know. So uh, I, I came from kind of some different influences, but it was really consistent. Mm. You know, my family went to church because my dad used to always say, I don't care what you do on Saturday night. On Sunday morning, you go to church. <laughs> and I say, I found out in high school, he very much cared <laughs> what I did on Saturday night. Um, <laughs> He was a little bit of a bridge between Methodist and Catholic himself. He was. You know, his dad <laughs> was a pastor, my grandfather. Okay, and that's I, right. And I was a farmer, and then he was a pastor of, of little farm churches, like two or three at a time. And so faith has always been really important mm-hmm. to my family and mm-hmm. to my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just, you know, really plugged in growing up at different churches, and my parents led Bible studies and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Yeah. So cool. yeah, it was always a part of who we were. Right. Yeah. So the next question is, when did faith in Christ first become really important to you? Yeah, um, man, I think a couple different times. You know, I think when we talk about kind of my religious heritage, uh, a couple things about that too is, I love, I love that I'm at Crossroads Bible Church now, because one of the things I really love about this place is how many different faith traditions come together here. Right. Um, you know, I meet with people that came from the Catholic Church. There's one family here that when I see them, they keep telling me, Charlie, that was a really good you know, mass or homily. I'm like, thank you. It's just so good. <laughs> right. Or, you know, Lutheran or Anglican or a lot of Baptists and a lot of independent Bible church people. So we talk about when did Jesus become real for me? It happened a bunch of different ways, different places and in different spaces. And I think probably like any kid that grew up in the nineties in a youth group culture, you had all these rededications just to make mm-hmm. sure that your faith, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and one of the things that I've, I've fought through kind of throughout my life, um, was, if you couldn't remember like that moment when you were saved, then it never really happened. And mm, so mm. always trying to, people used to write it on rocks, mm. you know, put it like different places. Yeah. And so I guess I got serious about Christ several different times, um, but he was always a part of who I thought I was. Mm. And so I, I can't to this day tell you like, this is the date I was saved. I yeah. can tell you four or five times that I said yes. Mm-hmm. I can tell you one time it was with the power team. And if you don't know what that is. <laughs> you missed out. You are not a 90s child, okay? <laughs> They ripped phone books for Jesus. <laughs> yes, they okay. did. What were we doing? <laughs> um, but, so, I mean, there's, there's a, a few different times that I got serious about it. Um, some of it related to life stage. Mm-hmm. Some of it was my choice and some of it was others for me. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's a good thing. Mm. I think oftentimes we see our lives as too punctiliar. So it happened in this moment at this time. And, and really, I think when you broaden out and look mm. over time, that's mm. what shapes our story, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think about, you know, I think about your kid, Matt, mm-hmm. when he was in 
high school here. Yeah. And you came to me and said things like, hey, I'm not sure. I said, he's got, he's got some time. Yeah. <laughs> Let's back right. up and trust right. God in the process right. and, um, and look at big picture. When yeah. you're a parent of a high school kid, it's really hard not to look at the day-to-day. Totally. And be like, who is this kid becoming? I'm terrified. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and it's so incredible to have community that's like observing life, for instance, in Matt's life at the same time. Because I was seeing through a particular lens, and you had another lens to offer me. Yeah. And I really wanted to see what you would have to say. And what you had to say was really helpful to me and helped yeah. me be patient with what God was doing in his life. Yeah. I think part of it's why I'm, I'm really big on the ministry of presence as, as a primary means by which we show Christ to others. Because I think through the high points of my spiritual journey or how I got serious about Christ, and it was because of the influence of others that were all around me all the time. Mm-hmm. I, I can think about some amazing Sunday school teachers I had when I was at First United Methodist in Louisville when I was four or five and six years old. One that actually showed up at CBC a couple months oh ago. Gosh. She's fantastic. And she said, hey, do you remember me? And I said, of course awesome. I remember you. Um, and that was really cool. And then just the people along the way have played a huge part in that. And so I think that's primarily shaped how I see how we're supposed to live is, is, is be present in the lives of others. Um, mm-hmm. Because when you look back, you see not just the lessons they taught in Sunday school, but you see the value of just people being there with you mm-hmm. um, that really begin to, like we say, not just teach you, but, but change you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and we're really hoping as people do these interviews and reflect on this early yeah. part of their faith that it is that remembering process mm-hmm. that's happening and even is an experience of them of being built up in their faith, like remembering how long God's been in it with them and in what ways. And I mean, isn't that what really changes us is, is like presence or faithfulness over time. Mm-hmm. Like that's the heavy hitting stuff. Right. I remember um, I had a... I had a friend once who said, you know, if love is the big acts of grandeur, then I'm not your guy. Mm-hmm. But if love is, I'm going to be there in and out every day for 50 years, I'm your guy. Yeah. And I think one over time is way, way more beautiful than, than the other. We had to fight that in our culture of, mm-hmm. of instant, right? The, the value of incremental that doesn't come naturally to us. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, I love looking at faith like that. Um, I think those are the moments looking back where I see God most active mm-hmm. in my life. The problem mm-hmm. is it's hard to see those in the present. Mm-hmm. Those right. are things you see looking back. Right. And then, you know, I've also, there are things I can't explain that I wish I could. Mm. Uh, you know, that whole uh, tension or paradigm between the metaphysical nature of our faith mm-hmm. and the rational nature. I'm more of a rational dude. Yeah. Uh, it's how I'm wired. Uh, I like philosophy and I like science. Mm-hmm. And so I, I kind of lean that way, but I'm also trying to not forget the other side of the metaphysical because God acts outside of what we see and touch and, and all that stuff. And, and there are times, uh, there are times in my life when I feel like God has spoken to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm here today because I feel like one time in sixth grade, God said to me, and I heard mm-hmm. it, you're going to go into ministry. And I, I had at least three different people from when I was in sixth grade to my senior year in high school, out of nowhere, just look at either me or at a group of people and say, hey, God told me, Charlie, that you're going to do this. And they didn't know me. Yeah. They were in a Sunday school class with me or something, but, you know, right. I'd never shared that with them. Right, right. Um, and, and so I... I I want to push back against all like the Disneyfication of the Bible, like you are Moses, you're not Moses, and we read it like we're the hero all the time, and that's a bad way to read the scriptures, uh, because not every moment is a burning bush moment, and if you live your faith like that, you're going to be disappointed in God more than you know you're, you're joyful with Him, and so. But I think those happen, mm-hmm. um, and and so I think when we talk about you know what's drawn me to Christ, there've been a couple moments, um, three or four. In my life where I feel like God has said, hey, you're going to do this. Or when I thought about getting out, he said, yeah, no, let's look at this. Yeah. And those have been really foundational for me to go back to and remember and be like, okay. You know? yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So the other thing we're wanting to do um, with this is to pay attention to what God's doing right here, right now. Yeah. Yeah. So what, you know, what are you learning about a better way to live right oh, now? I think, I think a couple things get me there. You know, so I, I did grow up with a faith that was uh, more like 1990s uh, kind of morality based. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to be really clear about something. I think that the people in the 90s that worked out their faith, they did the best they could with it, and, and they did some things really well. Mm. I think it's lazy to look back and be like, this is the ways that we failed and it was terrible. Because mm. we're going to do that again in 10 years. <laughs> um, and so, you know, we say it at CDC, we want to read with grace, mm-hmm. and we want to read looking for the things we agree with, not read looking for the things that we disagree with. Yeah. Uh, and so we want to do that too with how we look back. But I grew up in a culture that in some ways flattened the gospel, hmm. uh, that, that really made the gospel all about a decision we make and not a life we live that, um, you know, did the whole, how many times did I hear the whole, hey, if you were to die tonight, do you know where you'd go? That's a fine question for a 14-year-old kid or an 8-year-old kid. Or that, that really is, and it's a true question. Mm-hmm. And, and it shows value because people care about the eternality of your soul. Mm. Like That's amazing that they did that. Uh, the problem with that is over time, if that's the only message we hear about the gospel, we, we forget that the gospel isn't just something for one day, but it's something for today. Right. Uh, you know, it's that whole idea that for a long time we taught a Genesis 3 gospel, Genesis 3 when when Adam Eve sinned, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the beginning of our gospel. Four mm-hmm. spiritual laws, mm-hmm. you have sinned against mm-hmm. God. That's the mm-hmm. beginning of our gospel. Mm-hmm. The problem is, and that's not the beginning of the Bible, <laughs> right. uh, and, and we get in trouble there when we start where the Bible doesn't start. And so when we start with the Genesis 3 gospel, the whole rest of the story of God becomes a gospel of sin management. Mm. How God deals with your sin, how Mm. he expels your sin, all those things are true. Mm. The problem with that is the the gospel starts at the beginning, Mm. and so that's Genesis 1, where God gives life and purpose. And that life and purpose is found in being in harmony with him Mm -hmm. um, in the everyday. Mm -hmm. And so we want to tell the story of a gospel that's not just sin management, but one that gives us purpose, identity, and fulfillment. Mm -hmm. Um, And so realizing some of those things have been pretty transformational for me when we talk about like what got me to this point of a better life. Mm -hmm. That it's more than just the one day, but it's the today kind of sort of, you know, narrative. Um, you know Brian McKnight's book I think Scott McKnight maybe yeah, King Jesus Gospel mm-hmm. fantastic work on that yeah. um, uh, Herschel Frost wrote a book called uh, The Shaping of Things to Come which is primarily about the Christian movement but but it's in there all over the place when I was in grad school I learned about it for the first time mm-hmm. like just this idea of the kingdom of God yeah. not just heaven but the kingdom of God and it's place in the here and now is for me was radically transformational N.T. Wright talks about it all mm-hmm. the time and mm-hmm. I love how he talks about kingdom um, so those Influences have been really, really big for me. And so what that does is it causes me to ask the question, you know, where is God moving now and how can I be a part of it? Mm-hmm. Um, it causes me to ask the question, how is God changing not just, you know, my heart from stone to flesh or mm-hmm. one day when I get to, mm-hmm. but how is he changing me right here and now and promising a, a better life, a fuller life, a richer life? Not one that's absent from pain, mm-hmm. but one that gives me purpose in the middle of it um, and a bigger perspective and picture in the middle of, of times that I, I don't like, that, that God doesn't like either, by yeah. the way. Yeah, so the, those things have been pretty transformational in, in how I see this idea of gospel really rounded it out for me. And how does preparing to teach end up being a part of that journey for you? Is it because you're being introduced to something you haven't like considered through that lens? I mean, the like new how lens, does, like letting go of how you've looked at it before. I mean, I know you've been in this lens for yeah. quite a while. Yeah, I have. Yeah. 
but how does that play itself out in terms of taking it in more deeply or broader as you're teaching? You know, I think a couple things it's done. Um, So one, I mean, every January we're going to do a spiritual discipline. Mm -hmm. That's part of the conversation for me Mm -hmm. is um, what are things we can do here and now to cultivate Mm -hmm. God moving more or God expressing himself more or God fill in the blank there, right? So we've talked about Sabbath and we've talked about uh, next year, we're going to talk about fasting a little bit. So mm-hmm. super low numbers in January of 2022. <laughs> Thanks, thank goodness there's options for fasting. You know, we've talked about the, the value of silence and solitude this year, which I love. So, so part of it is just me diving into those things. It's allowed me to say, oh, there this isn't just legalistic. Mm-hmm. Like there's a purpose for these things. And it's really caused me to see disciplines not as a four letter word, mm-hmm. you know, but, yeah. but as something that, that can be really good if we don't hold it with, with a ton of rigidity. You know? Right, like, totally. There's purpose for this. And it's not just the rule itself. It's the whole Jewish mindset in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Like there's purpose beyond the rule that points you to something better. Right. And, and these can help you get there. They are stepping stones to help you get there. If you worship the stepping stone, it will crumble, right? I mean, that's just the story right. of the Bible. Right, and right, humans. But right. Um, yeah, so it's, it's really... It's meant to make relational space yeah. for God. That's it. That's right. All so those grace. are meant to make space for God in a way yes. that we can see him or in a way that you know he can speak to us or he can you know show us how he's working in our marriages and our churches and our relationships and in, in, in our Bible study in ways that are that are free. Yeah. Um, so I think it's, it's helped me do that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And seeing kind of, again, how is God working in the day to day? It's challenged me to say, I know God is working today. Where is that? Mm-hmm. And how am I cultivating that soil in my life every day? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So would you say the paying attention to what God's up to in the day-to-day is like the really clear thing that you're focused on that feels fairly new to you? I don't know if it's, uh, yeah, I don't know if it's new now. I mean, it used to be, okay. you know. Um, I think it's an ongoing journey to keep seeing it, mm-hmm. you know. Right. It's kind of like in marriage. How do I see every day that my wife still loves me? I mean, because it, it gets routine and it gets... You know, um, it gets in some ways, if you don't keep trying to pursue it, like keep dating your wife, yeah. then it gets stale and stagnant. Um, and so some breeds change. Mm-hmm. So I need to change the patterns in which I follow mm-hmm. Jesus sometimes yeah. because it's helpful for us. Right. It's like when you work out, you plateau if you hit a place where you haven't changed in a long time. So, and, and just acknowledging that we change. Yeah. And so I connect with God differently now than I did when I was 18. Thank right. God. You, right. You know? right. We right. say at CBC, great people change. And that doesn't just mean that you change and you're becoming a less sinful person, hopefully. Mm. That also means that you change in how you're wired. It mm-hmm. means that you change in how you pursue God. It means it change in how you connect with God mm-hmm. um, in some really cool ways. And so for me right now, I mean, like I said, the, the discipline stuff, I, I read a book that I loved. Like, it's probably my favorite book in the last couple of years. Um, that's not like a commentary or something. Because mm-hmm. I read lots of commentaries because I'm really smart. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's called, it's, it's called The Liturgy of the Ordinary. It's, it's just one of my favorites. It's, it's that practice of seeing God in the everyday, mm-hmm. which I think is the hardest thing for us to do here now. Mm. It's seeing God in the everyday, seeing the beauty of God in the everyday, not the mountaintop moments, but the ones in between. Those, I think, are where it really, it, it really hits home and it's really good, you know? Can you say anything more about what in particular there was about that idea that captured your imagination? Yeah. I think it's really hard. It's much harder and much more beautiful for God to be present in our everyday than just in the youth camps or just mm. in the retreats or just in that. It's much harder. Mm. It's like it's much harder to be a good husband 365 days a year than on Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite kind of comedy. So my favorite comedy isn't, uh, I'll go back, I'll drop a name, it's probably going to give me trouble, but in college, I like this guy named Dane Cook because everybody did. 
Don't let your kids listen to Dane Cook, everybody. He Noted. is not in any way a follower of Jesus. And if you say, Charlie said this is good, I'm not saying it's good. Very raunchy stuff. Anyway, his comedy is just, I'm going to tell you the story about this thing that happened to me. And he's a fantastic storyteller. It's so good. And it's hilarious. But then you have comedians like Jerry Seinfeld, who he will tell you a story about things that we see every day that you don't realize or recognize. Mm. You're like, that is brilliant. <laughs> you know? Uh, and I think that's harder. I also mm. think it's wittier mm. and it's better. And it keeps... So now, like, he tells a story about going through TSA one time and, and bathrooms and, and airports. And so now every time I go buy this, I see that and I laugh. Right. Because he brought that out that I, I never saw before. Right. Uh, so I think there's... I think it's harder. I think God does that. It's harder mm. to do that. I think it makes every day meaningful. And we would say it in another way, we'd say it makes every space sacred. Mm. So the only sacred space isn't the church. Yeah. Isn't the, you know, Crossroads Bible Church building. It's, 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 we make every space sacred because God is in us. Mm-hmm. It's that, it's that kind of shift from the burning bush moment mm-hmm. to God was there. And, and that's why it was sacred. But if the Holy Spirit lives within us, mm-hmm. then we make sacred spaces where we go because that's what it means to live out the fullness of God's kingdom here and now. So is there a recent story of catching something in the everyday that kind of blew you away? Oh man. Um, yeah. You know, so there's one uh, recent last probably year or so. There's a couple things you realize that, that God is doing. Somebody told me years ago that, that I need to have kids. And I said, no, this is probably 10 years ago. And they yeah. said, you need to have kids. It's going to make you a better pastor. And I said, I, I, I don't think that's a possibility. You know, I wasn't married at this point and all that stuff. Um, and then I had a kid and I realized it makes me a better pastor. It, it clears up how I see God. Mm. Uh, and so, um, I think I shared it in a staff meeting and Delin said, yeah, this one writer that she follows said the same story and I've heard it a couple times since, but just the idea of like when you see your kid learning to walk and then they mm. take two steps and they fall down. Mm. Um, and then you realize that well, I try a lot in my faith and I fail mm-hmm. a ton in my faith. And yeah. as a pastor, that's hard because mm. I'm supposed to be better at this than people wasn't paid, mm. you know, and I'm mm. on platforms and I'm not. Mm. And, and um, you know, this job is not easy in a lot of ways. And, and right now, uh, culturally, 2020 has been tough on, on this you know, I don't want to call the church an industry, but in this field, mm-hmm. um, and there's a really sharp rise in in, in just pastors and pastors that leave, right. um, and pastors that commit suicide. It's a problem yeah. right now, yeah. um, and that's really hard. Mm-hmm. And, and because there's so much weight, and, and you feel like you're failing, and you're not just failing at your job if you're a salesman, you're failing people that you love, mm. and you're failing your families, mm. and you're failing God, right? Right. You're wrestling with that, and so watching my kid learn to run and walk mm. and she'd take two steps and fall over and I wasn't like what's wrong with you right you need to be better at this you know you are terrible and a failure I'm celebrating I'm celebrating the fact that she took two steps and I'm celebrating that she got up it's a really clear picture that every day every day God's story and the gospel story isn't one of shame it's Genesis 3 it's one of of, of restoration and celebration mm-hmm. and joy mm-hmm. and shame is part of that sometimes mm-hmm. you get us there mm-hmm. the gospel never ends in shame right uh, and seeing is that's how God sees me is, is really freeing in mm-hmm. some ways right um, just the beauty of those moments is, is really good yeah I, I mean I love that the Lord is so good at like oh here's the perfect moment to help Charlie understand who I really am yeah in a way that he's going to be completely connected to because of his love for his daughter and 
I mean, it's just incredible that the Lord like seizes the day. <laughs> man, and, you know, there's a couple things. So I get the I get the privilege of saying, man, I really want to learn more about this. So let's do a sermon series on it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right. that's that's really nice for me. <laughs> that's so, great. That's where the teaching fits in. <laughs> it is, yeah. So I'll get there. You just got to give me time. <laughs> um, so you know, like uh, one of the things that stuck with me over the last year, we did Sabbath last year, and I. To this date, it's probably my favorite series I've done. Hmm. Um, I really liked it. Hmm. I, I, I read some amazing books, and um, I, I am naturally a an Enneagram three. I'm kind of an achiever. I want to be yeah. the best at something. I want no. I want you to think I'm the best at something. I think that's, <laughs> that's the way. Just it so we're clear. Yeah, just so we're clear. <laughs> um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna outwork you. You know, and so just like this last week, I was up here at church not working because somebody had a, a gathering. And a couple of people on staff are working really hard mm. out in the, mm. the, uh, uh, the fields over there, getting ready for Good Friday that's coming up. And I wrestled with that, mm. you know. And I drove home and I said, I felt really bad the whole time that these people on my staff were working and I wasn't at a very hard time. Um, that they saw me and they saw, like, Charlie's not working. And my wife said, you work all the time when people don't. Mm. And I said, I know, but I have a very hard time not. And, and it goes back to the Sabbath idea that's really stuck with me, which is... You know, when we allow Sabbath, for whatever that looks like for you, and you can define it in lots of different ways, but it's this idea that when you let go of the world you live in, you realize that it was never yours to begin with. Mm. And, and really, it's an exercise in trust. Mm. Yeah. It's an exercise in trust that we're saying, hey, it's going to be okay. There was a, there's a, a podcast called Startup, mm-hmm. um, and it, it chronicles businesses at Startup. Mm. Yeah. This is a couple of years ago. I think it was season four of, of the, the, the podcast, I forget. It... It followed a church planner. I oh, think, really? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty crazy stuff. And so I was like, first of all, that's really cool. Yeah. And secondly, if you've ever had to start a church, I have not. Mm. I've had a lot of friends have done it. It is one of the most difficult things to do. It's intense. Uh, really intense. And so he did. And at one point in the podcast, he's doing all this marketing stuff and trying to do food rallies and hand out things and get people to show up on their launch Sunday. And then you have a launch Sunday that's, I don't know, 100 people, which is amazing. And then the next week, there's seven. Mm, because right. <laughs> yeah, just, it's what happens when you start things. And at one point, he's just sitting there wrestling with, man, who's responsible for this? Mm. Is it because I marketed really well or is it God? Mm. If it doesn't work out, is it because I wasn't good enough? or because? So it's that tension. And I think Sabbath allows me to sit in that and say, you know what? Man, whether we grow to X, Y, and Z number, like every good mega church in the Dallas mm, area, mm, um, or whether we don't, mm, God is still good, and we're going to show up every day and do the best we can and trust God with the rest, and and that's okay. That, yeah. That's got, that's got to be okay. Yeah. Uh, so it's a lot of freedom there for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And how we live. Uh, yeah. Just how we live it out across the I do. And I I love that you were willing to have a conversation with Sarah about what you were really wrestling with. Yeah. Um, partly because that whole confession piece, like just acknowledging, and I'm still struggling to get to a place where resting is like I have my identity set in that place yeah. is is just so good to name it helps us receive the Lord's help in yes. a place we're still needing help 100%. and then also you know for Sarah to help kind of reset things yeah uh, you know that. yeah, yeah that's good I mean I think the Sabbath series probably came out of when we found out we we're having a kid and I took so in, in about a three-month period, we bought a house, found out we were having a kid, and I took over Crossroads when Steve stepped away. Uh, and we all found that out. We were like, this is going to be a big year, 2018. Mm, mm. And when I said yes to this job, I think Sarah on point just said, things could not stay the same. Because I was working, you know, and um, you know, at that point, doing a couple other things. And when I teach, it would take over a lot of my Fridays and some of my mm. Saturdays. And, and anyway, um, so stepping back from that, knowing that, you know, 
uh, it's going to be good for me to let go and, and put systems in place now to where I can do that. And, and mm-hmm. I heard somebody this week, a pastor was talking and he said, you know, he, he filters or he organizes his day and he says, God gets the morning and somebody told him this, give God the morning, give people your afternoon, give evening to your family. Mm. Um, and I don't do that, but but I like that idea yeah. of how to organize. Yeah, that rhythm. And, and that rhythm is really good. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think having that conversation with Sarah has helped me um, kind of see what I want to need to lear- learn about, where I need to learn and grow. It goes back to they're going to show you because so often you don't see where you need to learn yeah. and, and grow. Right. Um, and it's been really good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that kind of bled over into our fourth question. Yeah. It's like, you know, how are you seeing this better way changing your life, but then also impacting other relationships? Is there anything else you'd like to share about that you know last year was the first year that <laughs> I want to go Debbie Downer here but I'm going uh, I think I think last year was the first year that I did more funerals and weddings mm. um, and they weren't no funeral was fun but a lot of them weren't like I was 86 and I had a natural causes let's celebrate life right uh, those funerals are always hard but they're better than I mm-hmm. was 22 yeah um, and so how is it causing me? I think the idea of presence and God present in me every day and, and Jesus sitting in our pain and, and how we live that out and finding those beautiful pieces in even the moments that are really hard mm. and, and changing our perspective out for a bigger, fuller, richer one that mm. um, says this isn't the end. I think it's helped me get through that a little mm-hmm, bit because mm-hmm. that's really difficult, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and, and they weigh on you as mm-hmm, a person because yeah. you love these people. Mm-hmm. Um, and being able to not see that for me as something I have to do, but something I get to mm-hmm. do, I still wrestle with. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some people that are amazing at that. I, I'm not as amazing at that. Um, I want to get there one day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's helped, it's helped just personally and selfishly. It's helped me in that. Mm-hmm. Um, see the beauty of the everyday moments as the ones that really matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what the kingdom's about. Yeah, <laughs> that's, right. That's what, the, that's what the kingdom's about. Like this moment is sacred and matters and think about that everywhere you go. So there's no trivial tasks, mm-hmm. you know, right. which is huge. That's um, just huge to reframe the reminder of mm-hmm. it. It really is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's been really good. I think, you know, this journey of ups and downs and, and starts and fails, I think, helps you just in all aspects of your life. Mm-hmm. And SAP has helped me with my family and hopefully get that back a little bit. 2020 blew it up a little bit when we started working from home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. It shifted things. things up. Yeah. Because yeah. you find rhythms that work and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden they, they don't exist anymore. Um, those have been really good. Uh, you know, the silence and solitude thing was good for me. So... I, I, I start now, like I try to get up before the rest of my family does mm-hmm. in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think I said it, I said it wrong in the sermon. Are you there you for did. I, I was so glad a friend decided to pull you aside and help I, you out with that. I, I had no idea. Just if, if people don't know what I'm talking about, I use an illustration in a sermon and I said, one of the things I'm trying to do is to beat my kid up in the morning. And I meant wake up before my child. But I said the phrase, I just want to beat my kid up in the morning every day. And so far, I think it was two weeks in the new year. Uh, so far, I said, and the scary thing is she's winning most days. She's two. And so I get done on Sunday morning and I walk out in the cafe and somebody pulls me aside. And they say, did you hear it? And I said, what? They said, you said you wanted to beat your kid up. I said, I did not. Oh, my gosh. And you said it like three or four times. I say it. <laughs> Like, oh, he doesn't mean it, people. I was so afraid somebody's going to pull that clip on YouTube or something and be like, this is why you shouldn't go to Crossroads. We knew that church had issues, you know? Oh, my gosh. So I think that's been that's been really good for me. Um, and that's something how I've changed as I've gotten older, too, right? So I, I used to not value mornings. Super late night guy. Um, even in college. Like, if I went to bed before 2 or 3 in the morning, 
you know, um, that was early for mm. me. Even if I was just by myself, I just like Eve. I always have since I was mm-hmm. a little kid. Yeah. My twin brother would go to bed at 10 and I would stay in the closet reading for, you know, hours. Um, but as I get older, I'm realizing you know, as life gets more chaotic because we're adding more pieces to it. Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, that time is really valuable. And mm. it's when you're focused, when you have 16 things pulling at you from different directions. So I'm changing that respect. And it's been really good and really healthy. And I think it's benefited my time with God. Mm-hmm. I think it's benefited um, my attitude and with my family. And then, you know, when I get to work and, and all that stuff yeah, afterwards. Yeah. So, um, and that's not even like I'm going to open the text and study the text we're teaching from that week. That's just, you know. You know, you gave me a book by Peterson mm-hmm. called The Pastor, which is amazing, that I've been going through. Mm-hmm. So this has been really great. Yeah. yeah. It, it orients you oh, at the beginning of the day. It's so big. You know, I used to hear old people back in the day when I was like 18 and they were 30. <laughs> I used to hear old people say that and be like, oh my gosh, it's such a beating. I'm never going to be that old. I can't do that. I'm a night owl. Oh my God, I'm about? so much cooler than that. Like, what are you talking about? And here yeah. you are. Why would you go to bed early to get up early? That sounds terrible. That's crazy. I don't ever want to be these people. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, Charlie, I'm noticing we're at 32 minutes. 32? We are. Yeah. Time flies when you're having fun. Done it, though? Anything else? Any other questions? Any other? No, I don't think I have any other questions. I'm just really, really grateful that for your journey, the way you lead us, the way you're leading us from a place where you really are personally learning a better way to live with Jesus, and yeah. that's what you're trying to share with the rest of us. Yeah, you know, I think what, what what's, what's intriguing to me when we talk about a better way to live is, so there's, there's two ways to look at it. You, you can look at our living out our faith as an ongoing pursuit that you're never going to get to the end of mm-hmm. as daunting, mm-hmm. or you can look at it as really cool. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I think yeah. I'm, I'm choosing to look at it as really cool instead mm-hmm. of one that's daunting because... One, it's God's work, not ours. Mm-hmm. We're recognizing that. Right. Uh, two is, it's kind of like the idea that one of my favorite just sciencey things is that, you know, the universe is still expanding. Like <laughs> yes, right now, I like know. Right now, the universe, they never taught me that when I was in school. It's probably because I went to a Christian school. That God's not science. done. <laughs> I'm sorry for Christian school people. I love my school. Anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, the universe is still expanding. I think it's such a, a cool analogy to we get to live out God's expanding kingdom in the here and now. And what that means for churches, for mm. us, mm. is that we keep having conversations about what it looks like. And we keep growing and learning. And, and, and we can't get stuck in where we were so that God can't you know, change us into who we're becoming. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's really important. And so just the idea that we're going to keep reading things and growing and moving and shifting in a way that doesn't threaten God. Because mm-hmm. change doesn't threaten God. God doesn't change. But our ability to understand it more as we change is a good thing, not a bad thing. And so just to be a place where we can keep doing that. Because as we keep living out the kingdom of God in the here and now, the better ways in the here and now, if we truly believe God is good and worth it, um, then it's a beautiful thing that we get to do together that gives God more glory, that we see more of his majesty, mm-hmm. that we recognize that, oh, this is true. Right. Um, that, that's, that's needed because it goes beyond just what you're supposed to do. It goes into how we're wired from the get-go. Yeah. Um, and so I love that. Yeah. And I love knowing that I'm not going to get to the end of it. And that's kind of a beautiful thing. Right. So we can wake up every day and be like, all right, let's do it again. Yeah. That's one of my very favorite moments, I think, as a Christian, is that moment when I've lived through something. And on the other side of it, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, all of this is true. Yeah. Isn't that nuts? It's amazing. It really is. And it's, it's the idea that I get... Questions all the time about like if you're saved and somebody's not living like they're saved, are they really saved? And I think as a people, we 
we try and play the role of God too much there. Mm. We are called to judge things good and bad. We judge things every day good and bad. Mm. And people listen to this podcast, they're judging it good and bad. That's <laughs> not good or bad, right? Um, but what we don't do is get to play God and say, your soul is good or bad. Mm. That's God's role. Right. I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know that for you. I don't know that for anybody listening. I can look at some things around me and say, hey, looks like it. But I can say to people um, that might not be living out the rhythms and ways of Jesus, if you say, well, are they really saved? I don't know. But what I can do, now that we don't shallow out the gospel and see it just as a thing one day, is I can say, well, if you really believe that Jesus was good, hmm. then my job is to help you live out his good ways, whatever it looks like. That, that's a joy for me. Right. It's what we get to do together. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really all about finding, uh, finding the joy in pursuing a good God right here, right now. Um, and I love doing that with people. On the good days and the bad days. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It all matters. That's what I've been told. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure what I've been told. Okay. Well, um, you've mentioned several resources, yeah. so we'll make note of those in the uh, podcast notes. Can I give you one more? Just sure. To. And okay. Part of it is just a power play by me. You know, I have... <laughs> So you said we're going to go half hour. You just said 32. Yeah, I'm just you, you, keep, you keep stretching. Just a power play. I'm aware. I know. I know. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm working. I'm changing. I'm not changing. Um, no, but one of my favorites over the last year, I have I have church crushes. I do. Because um, this is my field. I've never heard that expression before. I like it. Oh, well, yeah. We have man crushes. We have church crushes. It's not a bad thing. Not a good thing. Anyway, so um, one of the church I found in the quarantine is a church in, in Portland called Bridge Bridgetown Church. Mm-hmm. Um, they are. Amazing. Doing good things. Yeah. And so you can go there if you want to. But when we talk about some of the disciplines, Mm. they've done such a better job than I did. Mm. (laughs) It is. They did an amazing job. They have a lot of really cool resources. So if you want to go, and you can post it to their website, they do some really great things with some of the disciplines we talked about. I love how they talk about Jesus. I love how uh, John Mark Comer is their pastor. And uh, he wrote a good book on the elimination of hurry. So Mm -hmm. that's one of my favorite resources in the last probably six or seven months. Yeah. Yeah. It is a good one. Yeah. Well, to our listeners, we hope you are inspired or encouraged in something that you've heard today. And may we all listen and follow Jesus into a better way.